Hey, I want to just begin with a, a question for you this morning, and it's, the question is this, that I want to invite you to consider. Who is the most encouraging person that you know? When I ask that question, who, who comes to mind in your sphere of life? You know, who's the most encouraging person that you know? Uh, I want to invite you to think about that, and in a moment, share who that name might be with the person beside you, uh, or the person you came with, or maybe even just think about it if you're on your own, but who's the most encouraging person you know, and what is one thing about that person that comes to mind that makes them so encouraging as a person to be around, okay? So can you do that? I'm just giving you a bit of lead time there, but take a moment and do that. We're going to have a little bit of a countdown happening on the back screen, so just ask, answer that question with the person beside you. Who's the most encouraging person you know? Go for it. I hope you're not scratching your head too much and trying to think of a, a name that comes to mind. And I was thinking about that question myself. You know, I have to be honest and say that the answer is my wife, Linda. She's right here in the first row. And honey, you are truly are the most encouraging person that I know and super blessed to be married to you. And I just want you all to know I'm not just saying that for points. <laughs> That's my honest answer. Although I would just say for, you know, any guy listening online or in the room here, you know, that's always a good answer to consider. Um, but as you're thinking about that, I, I just want to say this this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about the fact that, that we all are in need of encouragement. And I hope that you have someone in your life that is encouraging to you. Someone that uh, came to mind in that question. You know, at the beginning of 2022, I was just doing a little bit of research on the subject for this morning. This past January, just like nine months ago, uh, an Angus Reid study was done that reported this, that one in three Canadians, one in three, said that they struggle with their, with their mental health. And after, after almost half of respondents, 48%, said they would describe their, their general feeling at that moment being asked the question as, as fatigue or frustration. And another 36% said they feel anxious. And only one in 10 out of respondents, only one in 10, said that they, they felt happy, which is about half the number of those who felt outright depressed. So in other words, twice as many people said that they were depressed as those who said they felt happy. Even though, you know, even though we live in one of the most peaceful and prosperous places and regions in the world. And I know what you're probably thinking in hearing those stats. You're thinking, Shane, I thought that this sermon was about encouragement, you know? <laughs> Mental health is, you know, it's, it's complex. And it is a huge subject. But stats like those that we, you know, we just heard, they, they just underscore the simple point that I want to make this morning to each of you and to myself is that each one of us is in need of encouragement. But the encouragement and the hope 
that is found only in God. The encouragement and hope that's found in God through the foundation of staying connected to Him through faith in Jesus. And, and that is the encouragement and the source of hope that every single one of us needs to be drawing upon in our own personal lives and in our families and our circles of community each and every day. So I want to invite you to grab your Bible. Let's go to the Word of God together this morning in the New Testament, in the book of 2 Corinthians, to the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 5. And this is what Paul writes out of his own personal life with Jesus. He writes this. He says this. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And I love the way those words read in terms of their active voice. You know, Paul says a couple of quick things there. He says, you know, we can comfort those in any trouble. The encouragement we find in God speaks to any situation. That's amazing. Not only that, he says, the comfort we ourselves receive. Not received, but the encouragement we receive. In other words, there's an active encouragement that I, I daily receive by drawing upon this heart connection with God through faith in Jesus. And it's what keeps me alive inside. This is what I believe you know, Paul is pointing at. And in the scriptures, another word for comfort is encouragement. To comfort someone is actually, biblically speaking, to encourage them. And to encourage someone means to come alongside someone, come alongside someone for the purpose of, of building them up and strengthening them in their walk with God. Because that is something every single person, including myself, is in need of. And so we might actually read Paul's words this way, and uh, I'm going to ask you to flip these words onto the screen. And you could just see how often the word encouragement comes up in this short passage. We could, say, we could read Paul's words this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father of compassion and the God of all encouragement who encourages us in all our troubles so that we can encourage those in any trouble with the encouragement that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. And Paul here is just being upfront that there is a place for suffering in our lives. And there is a certain suffering that comes along with being willing to publicly identify and follow Jesus in a world that doesn't. He says, so also our encouragement abounds through Christ. There's an ability for you to be a person of encouragement out of what you are receiving yourself as you turn your heart to him. This is what I believe Paul is trying to convey in these words of Scripture to us this morning. And I just want to pause and pray that none of it would be missed for any one of our hearts or anybody listening online here together with us this morning. And so, Father, we again, we just bring our, our hearts to you as we again look at your word. Your word is the foundation of our lives it is where we come into a place of truth, out of the revelation that you've brought us. And Jesus, now by your Spirit, would you open the eyes of our hearts 
and the ears of our hearts to hear you this morning. And would you cut through, would you cut through every potential discouragement, every potential thing that is clouding our vision of you this morning. And so Jesus, just thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts in these next few moments as we turn our hearts to you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said amen. You know, I was just thinking about these verses, these three verses. In these three verses, Paul mentions encouragement or comfort five times. Five times. And I, I would suggest he's, he's doing so for two reasons. You know, first, it's to remind us where encouragement, true encouragement, comes from. It, it, it comes to our heart from God through the foundation of hope that is Jesus. There is no other anchor for our lives that gives us ultimate hope other than, other than God himself who's revealed himself to us in Jesus. True encouragement does not come from wishful thinking. It does not come from mere positivity or even circumstances going our way. Although, I gotta say, it's nice when circumstances go your way. Isn't it nice when circumstances go your way? It just seems like that just is so not so often, you know. But true encouragement comes from knowing that through faith in Jesus, you are connected and secured in the one who holds all things together. That is a source of genuine encouragement and hope and that is the revelation that God gives us about us being connected to him through Jesus. That gives us an anchor unlike any other. That truly builds up our lives in genuine, real, substantive hope. Paul's reminding us in these verses of the unbelievable father heart of God for you and for me. You know, the, as, as Father, you know, God gave up his, his very own Son and, and demonstrated to us His heart in living flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And now the Holy Spirit has come to indwell every believer, every person who's confessed the name of Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life to acquaint them with the Father heart of God for them, the love of God for them. Paul reminds us that God is the, the Father of compassion, he says. He, he's the one who never changes. The one who's always faithful even when we are not. And he's always, <clears throat> excuse me, at work working out his good plan in our lives as we trust him through thick and thin, through up and down, through disappointment and surprise. He is the one who's always there. He never changes. And he's at work in your life to bring about that which is good as you continue to trust him, and that which is everlasting, if you will believe him. And you know, as I think about this, there are really only two sources of comfort and encouragement you can really go to in life that are out there. <clears throat> and the two are this, ourselves and God. Those really are the only two sources of encouragement you can look to in this world. And you know, when we look solely to ourselves to sort of pick ourselves up, that kind of encouragement is the encouragement that the world is focused on, and it's what you might call self-help. And, and self-help is, you know, is, is popular. Thousands of self-help books have been written on almost 
every you know, subject and, and topic. But, but here's the problem with self-help. The problem with self-help is that it's focused on self. That's the whole problem with it. Because it, it's limited to you. And the extent of your resources, whether they are a little or a lot, but at the end of the day, they're finite. They're finite. And I love the song that we sang this morning that, you know, we are not enough. And self-help does not take that really into consideration in terms of going forward. You know, you can only take you so far. And some of us are stronger. And I would say some of us are more determined than others. You know, but eventually even those who are strong and even those who are determined become weak, become discouraged. And that's why it says this in the Word of God in Isaiah 40. You know, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. And all of us who are 50 years of age or older are going, yeah, that's right. You know, but it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And we are not talking about in these verses a physical strength, obviously. We are talking about a strength of character and a strength of heart, of being renewed inwardly. Even though, as Paul says, you know, uh, we are wasting away outwardly as we age. And so the first reason for Paul going on about comfort and encouragement in these three verses five times is to remind us where it comes from. To always be looking to find your encouragement and your reason to get up every day and and your hope first and foremost in God, the one who is the rock and the anchor and the one who is faithful and never changing. Lest you be let down by putting your hope in a person even a spouse, or whoever that person may be, or even lest you be let down by yourself and coming to the end of yourself. You know, God wants us every day, and especially on our darkest days, to see the radiance of his love for us. He wants us to pause and allow those moments where we need to be reminded of him to be like a glimpse of eternity, you know, like the sun coming up in the morning, right after the deepest darkness. You know, God wants us to grab a hold of his hope on our darkest days by reminding ourselves of the radiance of his love for us that has been demonstrated for all to see in the sending of his son, you know, the giving up of his son. And so, I believe that Paul is talking so much about encouragement in these verses because he just, he wants us to remember where it comes from. But here's the second reason Paul goes on, I think, about encouragement in these verses. And I think it's from probably his own experience, and I believe it's out of the inspiration of the Spirit through which he wrote. And that is how important encouragement is to a walk with God, to our lives and just the way that we've been made to be dependent upon him. You know, how much of us are in need of encouragement each and every day, whether we will admit it to ourselves or to others or not. You know, no matter how, I think, outwardly confident or together we may come across or, you know, the image that we might sort of put out there, inwardly we're all in need of being strengthened and being encouraged to keep trusting God 
no matter what, no matter what the day brings, no matter the season of life we find ourselves in, no matter what the challenge is, because there's always something that can drag us down if we will, if we will allow it. There is always something in a broken world that has the potential to grab hold of our attention and lead us away from God into a, 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 a place of darkness. And so no matter how together or confident we, we, may, we may look on the outside, inwardly we need the encouragement that God has for us on the inside. And so let me just pause and ask the question. How are you this morning in listening to this word? What kind of uh, moment are you in, in in your life? What kind of season are you in? Are you hopeful? Are you weary? Are you distressed? Are you anxious about something? Is there an area in your life, if you would, you know, open up and be vulnerable, vulnerable for a minute, that you would say, that's an area I need to be, I need some encouragement in. That's an area in my life right now that I, I need, you know, I need hope for. And so I would just ask this question, what area of your life do you need to be refreshed and renewed with the love and the hope and the encouragement that we can find in our Heavenly Father if we'll turn to Him? You know, in, encouragement is something we receive from God ultimately. But it is also, as we read in the Scriptures, something that we are called to pass on to others as we receive it. And that's what Paul was sort of writing about. And in Scripture, we see three spheres of life that as believers that you and I need to take responsibility to constantly encourage. See, there is a responsibility for you and I to bring encouragement forward, the encouragement that we receive ourselves, to bring it forward and to, and to pass it on. And there's three spheres of responsibility that we have in the equation that we call life. And the first sphere of life that we are responsible to encourage, believe it or not, is ourselves. We need to encourage or strengthen ourselves. With God's help, we need to take ownership and responsibility of the condition of our own heart and what we allow into our heart in our day-to-day life. You know, another way to think about your heart is, your, is the inner atmosphere that you carry. The writer of Proverbs in the Old Testament compares our heart and state of mind as being like a city that's protected by walls. And, you know, if you kind of know any archaeology, you'll know that in the ancient world, uh, cities had walls around them. And they had big, thick walls around cities to protect the people and to keep the enemy out. That's what it was all about. And there were some access points, obviously, for functionality, but that was the purpose of these walled cities that we, we see sometimes in medieval pictures or, or ruins from the ancient world. And so Proverbs 25 says, like a city whose walls are broken through is the person who lacks self-control. And you know, we are not in control of many of the circumstances in our lives that can get us down or that, you know, faces, cause us to face a difficulty. We are not in control of sometimes what other people say or the negative reactions that they might put out. We are not in control of some of the unwanted circumstances of life, health-wise or finance or, or other areas of practical life. We're not in control of what sometimes happens to us in terms of circumstances on account of living in a broken world. But with God's help, though, we can begin to learn self-control and to take responsibility for what we allow to breach the walls 
of our heart that affect our inner atmosphere. You know, when we don't attend to the walls of our heart, the defenses of our heart by monitoring or guarding our thoughts from the actions or the words of others or from our own defeated thinking and coming against a situation that just seems too big, discouragement will find its way in. You know, King David from the Old Testament, he found himself in a time of great personal distress when battle with the enemy was not going as planned. In 1 Samuel 30, back in the Old Testament, it says this, that, that after being away, David and his fighting men, they came back to a place where their families were named Ziklag. Their wives and children were there, and they were coming back to this place. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 1, it says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and taken captive the women and everyone, everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way, it says. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Could you imagine that moment, being in their shoes, coming back home and seeing everything burned, destroyed, and their closest loved ones gone, and they knew where they were? Imagine and imagine David, because he's the one in charge. He's the one who led everybody away from this place for a while to go do something else. And now he's coming back. And it says in verse 4, David and his men, they wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. These are strong individuals that we were talking about. David's two wives, it says, had been captured, Noam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And then verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. They wanted to kill him. They were holding him responsible. It says, each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. And you just think, you know, understandably so, right? And in that moment, under the grief and, and the pressure that, that David was experiencing, you know, he could have easily given up in that moment. He could have given up. He could have blame shift. He could have blamed somebody else. Guys, this really wasn't my call, you know, or come up with something along those lines. Or may even, you know, more darkly turn to substance abuse or something of that nature just to get away from, you know, the moment. But it says in verse 6, but David found strength in the Lord his God in that moment. Under all that grief and sadness and pressure and fear, David found strength in the Lord his God. He, he went to God for strength and the encouragement he needed. He didn't let the threats and the bitterness of the other men breach the walls of his heart. He didn't let the circumstances, as dire as they were, dictate his sense of hope in that moment. Though he was obviously full of sadness and grief himself. But instead, he chose in that moment, in a moment of self-control, to strengthen himself in the Lord. And it says that when David did that, he, he, he got away for a moment, and he sought the priest at the time, Abiathar, and together they sought direction for the moment. And I would just suggest this to us. In our moments of, of distress and sadness and just wrestling with difficult circumstances, we need to do the same. When we find ourselves in those kind of moments, we need to do the same. We need to guard our heart from perhaps the accusations or bitterness or, or complaints of others. We need, to, we need to go to God under the pressure that we might be in 
as David did. And the key way we do that, the key way we find strength in God in our low, tough moments in life is by turning to his word, which keeps our heart in a place of truth and right perspective. Because in moments like those, you just can so easily lose sight of hope and perspective. You know, I put in this week's Connect Group message notes, Psalm 34. It is a psalm of David, actually, where David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He's just giving testimony and he's giving us words to base our own prayers on, really. And then further down in Psalm 34, David writes, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And I want to encourage you this week to go to God's word for encouragement. Go to Psalm 34. Follow the words of David. Recount God's goodness along with him. And the truth of God's word, as you do that, will rebuild the walls of your heart and keep discouragement and the enemy out. That's what will happen. And you know, for a time, David needed to to be careful. He, He not only strengthened himself in the Lord by seeking direction, but, you know, the second way we see in his example that we need to do to attend to the walls of our heart and take responsibility for our inner atmosphere is sometimes graciously limiting ourselves to the negative influence of other people. Where we graciously have boundaries in order to protect the walls of our heart. You know, for a time, David, he needed to get away from those men who were thinking about stoning him, who were full of angst and grief. And so he separates himself for a time to go and be with the Lord. He needed to make sure that the conversation that was happening back at camp did not soon become the controlling influence over his life and his inner atmosphere. Afterwards, he goes back after he spends time with the Lord. He re-engages those guys, but only after he strengthens himself in the Lord. Only after he can come to a place of of knowing that he's going to be more of an influence on them rather than them being an influence on him out of the place that they're in. You know, it's been said that in order to soar with eagles, you can't hang out with chickens and turkeys. And I thought, that is such a good saying. You have to be careful who you allow to be an influencer in your life. And there are times, and I say this graciously, and I say this in a way that we need to promote healthy boundaries, but there are times when you need to graciously limit your time with certain people at certain times. That what they're maybe stuck in does not become the controlling influence of your atmosphere as well. Like David, we need to guard our hearts by regularly attending to the walls of our heart through the Word of God, by strengthening ourselves in Him, and keeping healthy boundaries. Here's the second way uh, or, or sphere that God calls us to encourage, and it's the heart of others. God calls us to steward our own heart, and then he says, be an encouragement to others. You know, outside of his word, the primary way God ministers to you is through people, and, you know, vice versa. God using you in the life of others to bring to them his message of hope in all kinds of ways. Informal, formal, acts of service, key words. That's what God wants us to do, bring his message of hope to other people especially in timely moments, as he, was, as, he, as he would give us divine appointments in our life. Hebrews 10 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
And he says, all the more as you see the day approaching. And the reason he says that is just to acknowledge that life is short. And in the shortness of life, make every opportunity to encourage the people around you. Encourage them most, mostly about their walk with God. And you know, God wants us to consider, to give thought as to how we can spur one another on to keep on in our walk with God and not give up. You know, over the years, I've had some key people in my life, you know, speak into my life because I've given them the invitation to do so. I've, I've asked them to lovingly and graciously help me in my walk with God. I've, I said, I want to be accountable to you. I want to give you invitation and permission to encourage me where I need to be encouraged. And those conversations and those kind of connections have also come out of just being committed to pursuing Christ-centered, you know, redemptive relationships as we spoke about a, a couple of weeks ago. And out of, out of that connection, you know, I've got history and just, and just amazing understanding and friendship. And, and some of those people I don't actually see a lot physically anymore because we've moved and et cetera, but we keep up and we have conversation. And those have become avenues of encouragement in all the places I've needed. And it's also been reciprocal. It, they're two-way conversations where I speak into their life. And on account of that, have been in a better place. I've been in a better place out of keeping a commitment to Christ-centered community and redemptive relationships because it's through people that God wants to keep building me up. And it's the same for you. It's the same for you. But the only way that we move into those kinds of redemptive relationships that are centered on Christ is if we are committed to them. If we're committed to Christ-centered community, which is really just another word for church. Another word for church is not services at 10 a.m. It's Christ-centered community in all of its facets. Hebrews says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. This verse is not about attending church services. This verse is about being committed to Christ-centered community and relationships because that will be the place, that'll be the context where you will receive the greatest encouragement in your life that will lead you to a closer walk with God. That'll be the place where you'll have the greatest impact on other people's lives as they give you invitation to speak into their lives. That'll be the place but even for those we don't know well, even for those we have maybe more of an acquaintance-type connection with, God wants us to encourage. He wants us to pass on the encouragement that is from Him that we receive ourselves, you know, because in His Word that we see every single follower and believer is to act like an ambassador wherever they go, one who represents Jesus, who carries the heart of the Father, and so a key way we do that is by looking for opportunities to encourage people. But it's really hard to give away what you've not yet received yourself. And so one of the key ways to be an encourager of people is to be going to God and, and, and looking to encourage yourself and Him yourself so that you have something to give away. And that's why I wanted to open with the question, who's the most encouraging person you could think of that you've crossed paths with? Because we need to be like them in a godly way. You know, in the book of Acts chapter 4, there's an individual, his name was Barnabas, and he was a companion to Paul. 
and he was actually given a nickname, Son of Encouragement, because of, he was just known as the person who came alongside people and was so good at building them up, encouraging them, and getting them off into what God wanted them to do. And he just became known for it. And my prayer is that, you know, as a community, Wellspring would be just like chock full of Barnabases. But like there'd just be a sea of Barnabases everywhere you go in connection with, with the community that we call Wellspring. That, that is my hope. That's what I want to be. Here's the last sphere that I see in Scripture about us having a responsibility to encourage, and that is the body of Christ. Not just individuals, not just others at work or in your connect group or in your friendships, but the, the whole body of Christ. In the words of Paul, we see constant words of encouragement to the various churches that he was connected to. In the letter to the church in Philippi, he writes this, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and one of mine. He just wrote to encourage them. And he said, and if you've got encouragement from God, make sure that is beginning to color the way you do community. In other places, in his letter to the Ephesians, you know, Paul says similar things. He, he's just constantly saying, I'm praying for you. I want to encourage you to keep going. His, his letters have correction to them and incredible theological teaching, but they are also incredible letters of encouragement to the church. And I just want to suggest this morning that this church needs your encouragement. All of our children, volunteers who are downstairs this morning are in need of your encouragement. Your connect group leader who's hosting and praying for you and opening their home to you, they need your strengthening and your encouragement. Our women's ministry here at Wellspring needs your encouragement. Our Saturday morning guys Bible study, it's been faithfully meeting every Saturday like forever, needs your encouragement. Those who serve in hospitality every weekend here, so this would be the most inviting, hopefully warm, connected place, are in need of your encouragement. Our elders board are in need of your prayers and your encouragement. I would just say that your pastors are in need of your encouragement. You are in need of my encouragement. We need to encourage one another that we might prevail in the midst of a very dark and broken world, speaking words of truth and echoing the love of the Father one to another that we might be built up and have a strength to our walk with God that we would not have otherwise because of this family that God has placed us in. Can anyone say amen to that? And I want to encourage you, every single gathering, you know, Sunday mornings or, or ministry gathering or hike or whatever it's going to be, Every single time you're connecting with the body here at Wellspring, you'd be looking for people that might look a little bit on their own. 
would you make a beeline for that person and just go out of your way to be a warmth to them, a welcome to them, to strike a connection with them. It might not lead to best being best friends, but it is about passing on the encouragement. And you'll never know the difference you may make. This is what it means to be the body of Christ together. I want to call the worship team to come up and help us respond this morning. And would you uh, stand on your feet with me as, as we just close off our time? This morning, I have it on my heart to pray for anyone who may be feeling discouraged. For anyone who's just maybe in that place where you're just like, I, I just feel so underneath, you know, whatever it is that's, that's going on. I want to pray for you this morning. We want to pray for you this morning. So we bow our hearts to you, Heavenly Father, this morning. The God of compassion, the God of all comfort, the one who gave up his very son for us. We want to say, Lord Jesus, you're the only hope. And you're the one who has the strength that we need for our lives. And we want to strengthen ourselves in you. We also want to be your vessel by bringing your encouragement to others who are in need. And we want to be a, a local body of your great body, of which you are the head, that is just bursting with love for people. But right now, Lord Jesus, we just ask that you just begin to make your grace known in a fresh way to anyone who's discouraged here today. Father, for those who are here and just they're carrying a heavy heart, they are feeling broken about something that's gone on in their life. A disappointment, a hurt, a pain, a broken relationship, uh, a financial difficulty, whatever it may be. Lord, it may be what it is. And that may be the truth of the situation. But we just want to place that under the greater truth of your sovereignty, of your control, of your ability to bring good out of bad, out of your promise to hold us and to carry us. Even through the, the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. And so, Lord, I just want to ask that you just pour out your spirit on those ones this morning that are turning their heart to you right now in the midst of their discouragement and pain and maybe even despair. We break that off in Jesus' name. And we ask, Lord, for um, fresh perspective from you, fresh grace from you, fresh strength from you. Lord, would you meet those ones today in Jesus' name? And would you give them courage to find a trusted person in this body to say, hey, I just, I want to share with you that I, I, need, I need your support or I need your encouragement. Would you pray for me this week? Uh, God, we just want to be there for one another as you are there for us. In Jesus' name we pray.